Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. joining us online for Church at Home. Grateful that you can gather with us today as well. Well, this morning we are wrapping up a four-part series that we've called Summer Sessions. What we've been doing in this is we've spent some time looking at some of the most important aspects of our faith that we can do that are the most beneficial to our lives and the lives of those around us that, oddly enough, we tend to neglect the most. We've talked so far about why and how to study the Word of God. We've talked about why and how to engage in community. And then last week, we talked about why and how to pray. Hopefully, you've gotten some really, really good insight from those and valuable tools to help you put actions behind your faith. And you've actually started doing some of those things. This morning, we're going to finish by talking about why and how we should share our faith. Why and how we can share the message of Jesus with those around us. Now, out of everything we've talked about in this series, I think this one is probably the most neglected and avoided one that we've talked about. Because sharing our faith always comes with a lot of risks. For the most part in today's society, people really aren't going to care if you read the Bible. They might think that you're weird. They might think you're a little extreme or radical. But for the most part, they're not going to care. People really aren't going to care if you find community, people to do life with, people to engage with. People aren't really even going to care if you pray. In fact, studies show that unbelievers are really willing to even let someone who's a believer pray for them. But when it comes to sharing your faith with someone who believes differently than you, that comes with a cost. It comes with a risk. When it comes to sharing your faith, I want you to consider this question. Are you willing to risk the relationship to tell someone about Jesus? Hopefully by the end of this message, your answer will be, yes, I am willing. However, statistics and research right now says the answer to that question is no. A few years ago, uh, some research was done on 1,086 active churchgoers. And by the way, according to this study, active churchgoer was defined as someone who attended church once a month. But 1,086 active churchgoers were interviewed on some of the, here's the five most common reasons why we don't share our faith. The first is, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. I won't, I, won't, what, I won't have the answer to everybody's questions. What if someone asks me something and I don't know what to say? What if someone asks me about what happened to the dinosaurs? Or what if they ask me, well, how old is the earth? What if someone asks me, can God create a rock so big that he can't lift it? Or does Adam have a belly button? We don't want to share our faith because we're afraid someone might ask us a question that we won't know how to answer. And so we just don't share. Second most common reason is it's not my gift. Some people are supernaturally, spiritually gifted to use digits. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. It, yes, we live a life that reflects the gospel. When people see us, they should see a glimpse of Jesus, but you cannot share the gospel unless you communicate it with your words. Here's the number four. I don't have time. I don't have time. 
Life happens. We forget the importance of it. But evangelism isn't just an addition to your life for when you have time. This is an essential component of your life. Everywhere you go, everything you do, every relationship you build, all centers around this idea of sharing your faith with other people. And then the fifth reason why people don't share their faith is they say, talking to people about Jesus makes me feel weird. Someone once said that evangelism is defined as two nervous people talking to each other about something spiritual. <laughs> That's true, right? Like, I'm uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable, let's just get that out of the way. Yet, shouldn't this conversation be worth a little bit of awkwardness? And like anything, the more you do it, the better you're going to become at it. And let's face it, the world could use more weird. Because if the world is considered normal, then I don't want to be considered normal. I want to be considered weird. I want to stand out. I want to be set apart to be used by God for God. So let's get right down to it. Why should I share my faith? Why should I share my faith? I'm going to give you the answer, and I want you to write this down, or I want you to memorize it. You ready? Why should I share my faith? Because Jesus said so. Didn't you hate it when your parents said that to you when you were a kid? Because I said so, like you would ask them, can I go to a friend's house for the night and spend the night? And they would say no. And then you'd proceed to ask them 10, 15, 20 more times. And finally they say no, because I said so. <laughs> like, because they're like, you gotta grit your teeth as a friend. Because I said so. They were living on mission. We're called to be a people that are living on mission. We go everywhere in the world that we can to tell everyone the greatest news that's ever been told, which is the good news, the gospel about Jesus Christ. Jesus spent his life doing this. Jesus spent a big portion of his life finding people. That's why he came. In fact, he said it like this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. And then watch this, after he was crucified and resurrected, Jesus said in John 20, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. His mission becomes our mission. Just like there was back then, there is still a world that is filled with lost people who are looking for hope. They're looking for Jesus. So our job of finding people is never going to be finished. This is never something that we're going to accomplish. And because lost people are important to God, they have to be important to us. This idea of finding that which is lost. Uh, Pastor Bob and his wife Meg, they've got five kids. I don't know if they love kids or if they love each other a lot, but they've got a lot of kids. Now, if they're in a store and one of their children gets lost, they're prob probably, they're probably not gonna say, well, we still have four 80%'s not bad. No, they're gonna do whatever they can to find their lost child because their lost child matters to them, right? Well, in the same way, our God is the God who would leave 99 found people to go find the one lost person. Why? Because he loves those who are lost and he wants them to be found. And his mission has to be our mission. But this is going to require us living differently and seeing people differently. If you wanna make a difference, then that will mean that you have to be different. If you wanna reach the lost, then that means you can't look like the lost and be indistinguishable from everybody else in the world. See, too many Christians today are just trying to blend in. 
Too many churches today are trying to be so inclusive because they think that the most loving thing that we can do for people is just to change the Bible, to make it more culturally relevant today, to maybe leave out some things that, that mean one, there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. It's the most inclusively exclusive message that there is. That Jesus is the only way, but he is for everyone. When we go to, uh, when we take our trips to Haiti, Chelsea always encourages everybody to read uh, David Platt's book, Radical, which is one of the best books I've ever read. And, and there's a story that he tells in that book that I, I come back to uh, a lot. And I just wanted to read just a little portion of that book for you. Here's, here's what it says. He writes, I remember sitting outside a Buddhist temple in Indonesia. And then I leaned in and I said, now let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain actually came down to where we are? What would you think if I told you that God doesn't wait for people to find their way to him, but instead he comes to us? They thought for just a moment and then they responded, that would be great. I replied, let me introduce you to Jesus. Out of all the religions in the entire world, Christianity is the only one with a savior who did not stay dead. And let me tell you, if someone is going to raise from the dead with a message, I'm going with that guy. Because our God does not expect us to work our way to him because he knows that we never could. That's why I'll proclaim this message, this good news of Jesus. Now let's shift gears. That's, we just talked about the why. Let's talk about how we can share our faith. Now, before I give you that kind of structural how-to, I, I want to kind of first talk about our attitude. How many uh, of you know that you can say the right thing in the wrong way? Husbands, how many of you know you can be right and still be wrong? <laughs> like, it happens. Like, I, I know I'm right, but I just made myself an enemy. Like, you can say the right thing in the wrong way with the wrong attitude. And so, as followers of Jesus, when we share our faith, our, our goal isn't to be right, it's to be effective. It's to be loving in the way that we present this message of the gospel. That's why Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 4. He writes, be wise. He doesn't say be right. He says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And then catch this, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We wanna search for opportunities to share our faith, but we also wanna be ready for the opportunities that present themselves to us. The problem is, like maybe when you became a Christian, no one, oh man, I need to pass this class. And so like, I go to people, I go through the script, and I'm like, so do you wanna accept Jesus? <laughs> like, it was very, very, um, I call it hit and run evangelism. My professor did not think that was funny. I actually thought it was. Hit them with the gospel and then get out of there because you're probably gonna feel pretty awkward. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for hit and run evangelism. There is times where you don't have a lot of time, where you may not see someone again, or where someone is on their deathbed and you don't have time to just connect. Why a relationship connection is so important because people don't care what you know, they wanna know that you care. 
And when people know, when they can sense that you genuinely care for them as a person, that's gonna open up a lot of doors for sharing your faith where now they're actually going to want to hear what it is you have to say. It's not just about being right, it's about being effective. If you want proof of all this, look at what happened when Jesus called his disciple Levi, who would later be renamed Matthew. Jesus puts himself in a situation that most Christians would frown at. I want you to watch this. This is how you connect with people like Jesus did. It's in Luke chapter five, verses 27 through 32. It says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and he loved everything and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink and talk and associate and sit with such scum? Doesn't that just sound like religious people? Always complaining, always grumbling, always focusing on what we can't do instead of what we, we can do. Jesus overhears them complaining or he reads their minds. I don't know what he, he does is Jesus thing. And I love that he answers what they're saying behind his back. And he answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I came not to call those who think they are righteous. Keywords think, not those who are right. That a lot of churches are dying today is they stop reaching out. They get very inward focused. They turn in and they want to live in this shelter, protected bubble, safe from the world. But that's not doing church like Jesus wanted us to do church. Because instead of expecting lost people to come to us, we should be going to them because that's what Jesus did for us. When he came down from his place of safety in heaven to this broken world, that's what we should do for the rest of the world as well. That has not stopped. We should be the ones that are going instead of staying. So we connect with people, but it doesn't just stop there. Here's the second thing we do in sharing our faith. It's share my story with people. Share my story with people. You have a story. Then the best thing that you can do to share now, we tend to overcomplicate this, but it's really, it's not that hard to share your story. Practice it sometime. Condense it down to three minutes, because if it's longer than three minutes, it's probably more about you than it is Jesus anyway. But tell people who you were, tell them about who Jesus is, and tell them about who you are now. Your story might be, well, I was lost, but, but now I'm found. I was broken, but now I'm made whole. I was alone, but now I belong. I was an addict, an adulterer, an alcoholic, but now I'm a child of God. Who I was is no longer who I am. Because I've been changed. I've been redeemed. You have a story. and You have an obligation to tell it. God doesn't give you a pass because you're scared or nervous or shy. He gives us the ability to pray for boldness and to pray for courage. I love the story in Acts chapter four where Peter and John were preaching to a group of people. Listen to what happens, Acts 4.13. The members of the council were 
are just an ordinary person with no special training. Well, the good news is that's who God specializes in using because then you're not forced to rely on yourself, but you're forced to rely on God. And the kingdom of God will be filled with ordinary people that God used in extraordinary ways. Even Paul said, I'm just this ordinary, average, nothing special kind of guy. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and Share your faith. Share your story. As we finish this morning, let me just share with you my story. And most of you have heard all or some of my story, but if I was to go out and to make a connection and build a new relationship, the way I share my story with them might sound something like this. I spent the majority of my life looking for acceptance and belonging. I never, growing up, especially when I was a teenager, I never really felt like I quite fit in anywhere. And so I I looked for those things, that belonging and acceptance in the places that a lot of teenagers uh, look for it, in relationships and and in partying. And and during that time, I made a lot of mistakes. I had a lot of regrets about some of the decisions that I made. I think in that time of my life, because I I grew up going to church, so I think I knew that those things were wrong. I just didn't care because I wanted to fit in so badly. So this continued through high school until I was 19 years old. And I remember I was, when I was 19, I, I came home from college one day, just an ordinary day, nothing special. I, I didn't go to church and hear a sermon. I didn't hear this song on Caleb that wrecked my life. I, nothing like that. A brochure sitting there, join the army. So I picked that up and then I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I got rid of that. And I did the next best thing. I called my mom. And so I called my mom. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I need you. So she had stopped going to the church we were at and started going to a new church. And she's like, I'll be right there, baby. And so my mom shows up in this big redheaded Cajun pastor from Louisiana. And I was sitting there and he's sitting across from me, smiling really strangely. And something about him is different. And, and he's smiling at me. And then he shares, he shares Ephesians chapter two with me. Well, he says, Kyle, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever been saved? And I said, yeah, lots of times. And he read for me Ephesians chapter two, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not a result of your works so that you may boast. It's, it's the free gift of God. He shared that, he shared the plan of salvation and he left. So I went downstairs and I sat there for a few hours, just me, no TV, no electronics, just sitting there thinking, pondering what I was doing was I was actually considering the cost, which Luke chapter 14 talks about. I considered what am I gonna have to give up? But then I was able to consider, but what am I gonna gain? And so that night I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I also said, God, 
the rest of my life, every day, take me, use me in whatever way you see fit. I gave my life, I said, I'll, I'll go into the ministry, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. And I'll tell you, I regret a lot about my life. I've never regretted one time surrendering my life to him. Never, never will, because it's changed me forever. I found that place of belonging and acceptance. A few years later, I was sitting in a park with Chelsea Bright, and we were just talking. We weren't dating, we were just talking. And we were sharing our stories, and because, uh, you know, before you really like go, you know, before we get any further, I want to know about you, you need to know about me. So I went first for 45 minutes, I spilled everything out, and I was like, I just told her all of it. And so I was just, I was a mess by the end of it, and I was like, I'm the worst person in the world. And, and then I was like, okay, it's your turn. And you know what she starts with? I've never kissed a boy. I've never had a drink. I've never smoked anything that made me feel funny. Like, I mean, nothing. I was like, heroin, murder, give me something here. Like, my chances are shot. But you know what happened? You know what happened? She accepted me. And she loved me. And we began this relationship. And that was really such a great image of what God does for us through Jesus Christ. Because, man, we come to him, and we are just a mess. And our past are filled with regrets and mistakes and all kinds of shame and condemnation. And when we think, I deserve to be rejected by you, man, that is when God pulls us in close. And he says, I don't care about who you were. I care about who you are. And you are my child. With you, I am well pleased. That's what we get when we come to God. That's what I found, and that's what I want you to find. That's what God wants you to find as well. I know we're over on time, but this is so important. This is so important. I don't want to rush this. Because I had a moment in 2005 in my parents' basement, and it just, it changed me forever. I cannot express to you enough. My story's real. And God wants to do in your life what he did in my life. Now, your story, it may have looked different than mine, What God's going to do with you, it's different than what God is going to do with me. I don't know what it is, but I know he wants to use you because he does love you. You do belong. He does accept you and he wants you to repent and turn away from your life of sin and follow in this abundant life that can only come with following Jesus. Can I pray for you? Father, God, my words are so insufficient. I can relate to how Paul felt. I came with weakness and trembling. But just as Paul relied on the Holy Spirit, God, that's what I rely on right now. God, we need your Holy Spirit to fill this place. Father, I know, God, I can feel, God, I believe that you're wanting to change lives in here today, Father. Lord, that somebody came in here and they're spiritually dead, they're lost, they're without hope. God, today can be the day that spiritually they're raised to life. God, today can be the day they surrender to you. God, I want that for them more than that you want that for them. 
you loved them all the way from heaven to earth in your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray that today, whatever walls have been built up around our hearts, God, Lord, that like Jericho, those walls would come crumbling down and we could come to you and see you for who you really are. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.